This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Mindfulness goes beyond just trusting your instincts. It involves a whole body experience. Valeria Tejas interviews Marsha K. Morgan, the author of Go, How to Get Going and Achieve Your Goals and Dreams at Any Age. Marsha K. Morgan, PhD, brings a wealth of experience helping women reach their full potential. Drawing on more than 40 years as a consultant, researcher, trainer, and author on gender and crime, this sought-after motivational speaker tackles the casualties of women's dreams and how to recapture them in her latest work. In 1976, she and a colleague developed the groundbreaking, anatomically correct dolls now used around the world to interview victims of child sexual abuse. Early on, Marsha made her mark heading up one of the first all-female law enforcement rape investigation programs in the United States. She has worked with women who were victims of crimes, doing time in prison, and those out in the community in high-powered corporate jobs. She has dedicated her life to helping women have a voice. As the executive director of Majima LLC since 1980, she oversees an innovative firm that provides consulting services in criminal justice and social issues. Marcia and her husband live in Bend, Oregon. Marcia K. Morgan wrote several books. Should I Change My Name? The Impact of Your Last Name on Identity, Marriage, and Happiness. My Feelings. Safe Touch. How to Interview Sexual Abuse Victims and interviewing sexual abuse victims using anatomical dolls. Meet Marsha at MarshaKMorgan.com. Here is the interview with Marsha K. Morgan. In your own words, who is Marsha K. Morgan? That's a very good question. I would say that you know, it's interesting. I, I automatically sort of go to what I've done in my uh, adult life as a career. I don't know if that's a good way to start, but I am a criminologist. I'm a sociologist. Uh, I've done a lot of training and research. Uh, working on gender issues has been my main uh, emphasis. And I guess the way I'd, I would describe myself that way, starting out, is because it is a job, but it is also a huge passion. I have all always wanted to um, give women and girls a voice in particular and people who are sort of the underdogs in society. Yeah, how wonderful. Thank you. I really appreciate what you do, which I believe is the purpose. You have found your purpose. So my first official question, or the second question is, 
What do you want from life at this time? Well, you know, I think it's kind of like the f answer to the first one. I, I really want things to be just, having that justice. And I, I think as a country, as a world, we've had a few setbacks here in the last year or so with certainly with the pandemic and political strife and looking at racial issues and just there's just so many things that have made us feel like we've taken steps backwards so part of me wants to continue the fight, so to speak. Um, and part of me, I think, in this coming year is to help pass the baton on to others um, younger than myself to um, carry that, that torch. And speaking of purpose, as I mentioned earlier, I do have some questions for you here about the difference between goals, dreams, purpose, and passion. Do you see any difference? I don't necessarily, but I know when I've talked to people about that, some people, when you use the word goal, they think very much of a, a business format and very, um, you know, linear, yeah, I don't know, just kind of cut and dried and not, right. you can have a goal without a passion. Right. But I think all of those blend together. Uh, and that's when I, in my book and when I've talked uh, about this with groups, it, I, I think they do need to all mesh together. You need to dream big and that's where the goals start bubbling out of, out of that dream. Uh, they're kind of the tangible piece of that dream. They're measurable and, and, you know, you can grab onto those things. So it is connected. Yeah. I do have more questions to explore goals, which is, uh, the title of your book under the, um, the abbreviation of go G O. So, but I'll be asking you questions in a moment about that. A lot more questions. Uh, before that, what do you think is the purpose of the human experience, Marcia? The purpose of the human experience, to find passion, to, I think, kindness to help others so that you leave this world, this physical world, in a better place than when you entered it, to use your gifts, you know, some gifts that you have that others don't and, and vice versa, but to recognize those and to help move that forward to make life better on this earth. What is spirituality to you? Well, it's evolved for me through the years. I was um, raised in a quite a religious family, um, going to church regularly and so forth. And life happens, college happens. <laughs> you get exposed to all yeah. sorts of things. I took a class on Western religious thought and oh, met wow. all these interesting people from around the world and thought, oh, there is a different level of spirituality. Um, so it, it is internal to me now. It's not necessarily going to a physical location. Um, I probably feel more spiritual than I ever have, but it's that connection with with other human beings and getting deeper into thought and, and the things I was mentioning earlier about how can we make the world a, a better place, but to try to be as good as you can be. My other warm-up question is success. What is success to you and what are some of the greatest misconceptions about success? Oh, boy, in living in a capitalist uh, <laughs> society yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, where we've got so many television programs on greed and greed is yeah. good and all that kind of thing, I right. think our culture defines uh, success monetarily, that, you know, mon money is the, is the king or queen. I, I don't feel that at all. Um, although, you know, I have to be quite honest too, that 
at certain points of my life, it has been a motivator so that I have a roof over my head and food and that kind of thing. So I'm not going to lie about that part at all. But I think for me, it's being creative. I feel like if I don't create, I kind of die. Uh, (laughs) Sort of like if my Labrador retriever doesn't get to water. (laughs) Um, So I think that's the piece that it's important for me to create a book, to create whatever it might be. I I used to be in law enforcement and my colleague and I developed the anatomical dolls that police use when they interview kids who've been sexually abused. And when we created those, I just felt, you know, like that was a, a success for me to, to try to make things better. That is beautiful. Yeah. Thank you again, Marcia, for your contribution to well-being, to healing, to love, really, ultimately. I have two questions for you that relates to being a female in a human body. What do you love most about being a woman? You know, you have the best questions, which I was not thinking would be asked. So thank you. Um, wow. I, you know, I'm really glad I'm a woman. Yeah, um, me too. You know, uh, of course, my husband says he's glad he's a man. So, I mean, I'm glad people are happy where they are. That's yeah. important. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, um, I have the best women friends. And certainly, I think it's even gotten better as I've gotten older, you know, having yeah. these women friends. Um, we share common you know, physical ailments <laughs> or physical <laughs> concerns through our years. Um, but we also, I think, share just a, a bigger, kinder perspective many times. Um, I love that we're more verbal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Generally, we can connect in, in those kind of ways. I'm sure you've had situations where you meet a stranger, maybe washing your hands in the bathroom, and you just enter this deep conversation in 30 seconds and you go, wow, how did that just happen? Right. And I just don't think a lot of men have that um, opportunity, which that's a kind of a strange example, but there's just many like that. I can relate to that and I do understand, yeah, what everything that you just said, of course, (laughs) being a woman. And my other question related to that is what are some of the challenges or what is the most challenging aspect about being a woman? Oh, I think there are many. I know a hot button for me and for many other women is feeling invisible. You know, whether you're in a meeting or whether you're, I I don't know, wherever you may be and, you know, the workplace or even a social gathering, you know, people might look at the man for the wisdom or assume he's more important or whatever it is. Um, Growing up, or not growing up, but I guess growing up in an occupation that was definitely male-dominated, you had to overachieve, you had to, you know, get more education, you had to do best to be noticed and to stick up and for yourself and, and speak up for yourself. So um, I think that's still one of the biggest challenges. There's a lot of misogynistic behavior out there with political folks with a lot of things. So it's always being aware and speaking up. Yeah, it is uh, certainly a challenge for us to to be seen. And I hope it's changing. Do you think it is getting better? You know, I, I do on many levels. Um, I was just reading some things the other day about, you know, women not until the 1980s sometimes couldn't even keep their birth surname, their maiden name, you know, yeah, uh, right. to vote and that kind of thing. And, and so, I mean, some things have legally changed, but I think, um, you know, more on the behavioral changes some some but not in many areas of our world 
and that is really the probably the most challenging aspect to change the perception yeah the way people perceive others in life so i do have one more question for you the warm up question is freedom what is freedom to you what is to be free marsha ah uh, it's all about choices and I would probably add right now, because we're in the middle of the pandemic, <laughs> freedom is also getting out of the house. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something really minor like that. But I, I think it's being able to, you know, really do whatever you you want and go to wherever you want to not be restricted. It's being a an equal player in every part of your life mm, yeah. and being heard. You wrote the book, Go!, how to get going and achieve your goals and dreams at any age. Two initial questions. How did you become a writer? And what was the inspiration, intention, and the purpose of writing this book? Well, I've, I've been writing books for the government, basically, for about 35 years, I guess. Uh, and a lot of those books are to people in the field, you know, kind of technical journals or technical kinds of nonfiction books that are training manuals or brochures, uh, you know, all those kinds of things. Those, those government publications, you wonder who on earth writes those things. And it was all related to, you know, sexual assault prevention or um, working in prisons, um, gender responsive approaches to working with female offenders and that kind of thing. So I, I really started wanting to write something kind of mass market and I wrote a a book for children on on sexual assault prevention, um, you know, that's age appropriate, and you know, several other you know little books. But this this one, the Go book, and going for your goals and dreams, really stemmed out of my work with women in prison. I found in in working with many of the women, they really had lost their goals and dreams, um, if they ever had any to begin with. Many of them felt they didn't deserve it, but also many grew up in environments where they really didn't, they weren't encouraged to have goals or dreams. You know, they were really living minute by minute, you know, day by day and, and couldn't see a future for them. So I started doing some workshops um, on this topic uh, and then mentioned it to some of my friends on the outside who were not in prison, many women friends and others. And I found that they were going through many of the same experiences. They weren't in prison, but they you know, really shared many of those same issues. They had experienced what I call dream drain, which is the evaporation of one's goals and dreams. Uh, many of the women on the outside, I think, um, you know, just they had life obligations, you know, that, that were confronting them and marriage, kids, all those things, and just uh, their goals and dreams faded away. So I decided to write all my thoughts down and, and some kind of, it's a book, but it's also some workbook stuff. You can write some notes and things throughout the book. Um, and so I, I wrote that. Uh, based on many years of, of work. Yeah, before I make a comment even about how connected having this uh, a meaningful life or purposeful life to happiness and to health and well-being, uh, let me ask you this question. What are the consequences of not living or pursuing our dreams? Well, I think there's something that dies inside of all of us. Um, that sounds kind of <laughs> drastic, but maybe yeah. it is that spirit, that spirituality that you were talking about earlier. You know, some people might 
turn to drugs or alcohol or or commit crimes. Other people just kind of ex- exist in a in a f- flat kind of way. And I, I think this is a, true for both men and women as right. I say this, but I think women in particular, because we are taught to be more nurturing and the caregivers, especially with you know kids and family and that kind of thing, that our dreams do get put on the back burner and you know kids grow up and you're gone and or they're gone and there you are and you go okay now what and it's it is hard to to start over for many women to think of themselves first that is something that we often talk about here the self-love component yeah and I often ask the question do you love yourself unconditionally And, mm-hmm. and that's a tough one for most of us to understand the importance of embracing and loving yourself just the way you are. Yeah, and following your dreams and having the courage to do, to speak your, your voice and, and do the things that you wanted to do. And I'm glad you, we are talking about this today because um, I am living my dreams now, <laughs> talking to, to so many people about Deep things, I would say, things that from the heart that I always wanted to do since I was a very, very young kid. So that's interesting how sometimes it takes a long time. And I wonder why it takes so long, Marsha, for us to have that courage to finally do what we need to do in life to be happy. You know, it it varies for so many people. I, but we are definitely a society of um, quick fixes. Um, you know, we want instant reward and, and goals do take time. One of the things I talk about in the, the book is figuring out how to to kind of chunk your, your goal into little steps. And, and so you can, you know, pat yourself on the back and feel really, really good about that. I think especially during the pandemic, I keep bringing that up, but it's really hard to not only think about your goals when you're trying to survive, which actually may be the best time to really start thinking about your goals, but also to keep working on your goals. I mean, it's really hard to stay focused right now. So um, a lot of stressors and things, but it it just takes time And if I can tie into probably the most important part of the book, I hope I'm not jumping ahead here, but the word go on on the cover stands for goal objects. And that's what makes this book different. It's um, based on the use of goal objects uh, as a way to keep you motivated, to keep your eye on the prize kind of, uh, and keep going. Um, Goal objects are an item. It can be one item or it can be a group of items that are collected by the person that, that represent or symbolize his or her goal. So by regularly, you know, seeing that object, it it keeps you on on your path. It is, you know, kind of an inspiration and motivation and is a great anecdote to to dream drain because it keeps you mindful of your goal. In the book, you disclose four steps, identifying your goals and dreams. Step two, finding your goal objectives and container. Step three, creating and staging your goal objectives. And step four, your action plan. Talk to me mm-hmm. about, if not all of them, but some of these steps. Mm-hmm. The first step, you know, identifying your goals and dreams, which sounds like that should be an easy one, is actually yeah. one of the hardest ones for people. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they just can't think about what do they want to do when they grow up kind of thing, no matter what age. They still say that. <laughs> yeah. um, 
true. So, you know, there's some exercises in the book, you know, think about your dreams from your childhood. What were some of the early messages you got from people? Maybe someone said, gosh, you, you're a great artist or, you know, those kind of messages kind of pick up on those. Yeah, there's some exercises about just writing down, I want, I wish for myself, what brings you joy, which ties in with your title of your podcast, certainly. You know, what, what are those things that, um, that feed you? you know, and motivate, motivate you. So there's a whole lot on that first step on identifying what your goal is. And then the second and third step around finding goal objects is really the, the fun part. That's where you can, you know, walk out in nature, maybe find something there or online or a thrift store or craft store. Um, I think um, Christmas stores are some of the best thing uh, places now because there's little objects that sometimes are, you know, maybe there's a bowler or there's, you know, someone climbing a mountain. I mean, there's all these themes now you can get with with Christmas um, ornaments. And, you know, taking that ornament or item, that goal object, and then putting it someplace, you're going to see it every day. Maybe it's next to your bed or maybe it's next to the sink. Um, Some people put them on a a keychain, put it, you know, on their, their backpack, uh, and then, you know, so you, someplace you're going to see it regularly. Uh, and so that it reminds you, it brings you joy and it, it makes you want to keep chunking away there on your list um, to get towards your, your goal. Oh, I'm not talking too much, but one of my favorite yeah. <laughs> little uh, goal displays that one woman in a workshop did. And like I said, you can do something simple like one object. And some people like to do a little display. I have a little display for myself here next to my desk. Um, but this woman t- uh, wanted to start a food truck. Yeah. And so she got a little tiny food truck, like a little toy one. And then she got a muffin tin and she was going to be selling um, like a cupcake tin actually. She was going to sell cupcakes in this food truck and so in each one of the 12 little you know indentations in the cupcake tin she put little slips of paper of what she had to do for each of those 12 months because each dent represented one month so she was going to get that food truck up and running in in a year so and she did it. And it was great. It was just this little, you know, cupcake tin that she had um, with this little truck at the end of it. And um, so that was her her little go display, which is great. The reminder, that's a big one. The reminded that we have a dream, that we have goals, uh, steps to get there. That makes so much sense to me. And I love this idea of visualization too, that you speak of in your book. So talk to me about the visualizing in a sense that is uh, realistic too. How do we learn to be realistic with our dreams and not go off on imagining and then never getting where we, we need to get? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a tough one. And that does come up quite a bit. Well, you know, I talk about people who think about their dreams every day are more likely to reach them. People who visualize them their dreams are more, or goals and dreams are more likely to have that happen. I think there was a 2016 study where they looked at about 1,000 individuals, I think it was, in in 500 businesses, and they found that 82% of them who visualize their goals reach them. Uh, and you think about athletes, you know, that visualize and things. Um, but the third third thing about not just thinking, visualizing, but actually having a written 
plan, writing it down is, is the other component that needed to be done. But I think you're right. You don't, the term magical thinking, I'm sure, you know, is something people are familiar with (laughs) that um, when I've done workshops, especially I think with some like high risk girls, I've worked quite a bit with and many of them, you know, they, they want to be an astronaut or they want to, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it might be. Wonderful goals. And I don't ever want to discourage that. But that's when you start breaking things down about, you know, the math and science and different things, you know, you might need to, to have, you know, to be able to have that come to reality. And then talk about maybe some alternative things that might work, you know, working at NASA or, you know, someone who was uh, disabled and wanted to be in the Olympics, uh, didn't know about the Special Olympics or other alternative Olympics. So there's ways of you know, still really feeling like you're achieving your goal, but maybe um, customizing it somewhat. But I think one of the big things, I probably should even started with this, is my experience is that, you know, that people often adjust their goals and dreams to fit their circumstances mm, yeah. rather than adjusting their circumstances to fit their goals mm, and dreams. Right. And I think that's a biggie because we do that. I mean, we, we think, oh, I guess I can't go for this dream now. You know, so because that's where I am at, at this point, living in this small apartment or, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, that can be adjusted. That could be part of the dream to figure out how you can really, you know, adjust the circumstances, you know, get better supportive cheerleading friends yeah. <laughs> or look for some more resources or um, a lot of the things I talk about in, in the book about how what you need to kind of set up around you to make the dream work. You say in your book, mindfulness goes beyond just trusting your instincts. It evolves a whole body experience. So talk to me for a moment about mindfulness, what mindfulness is, and how it helps us to get there when it comes to achieving goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think mindfulness is, it can be defined in many ways, but as it kind of relates, I think, to, to this topic, for, for me anyway, is that you're you're paying attention to yourself, your surroundings. I mean, yourself in terms of, like you say, spirituality, physical, you know, how are you feeling about what's going on for you right now? So as you're looking at your goals and dreams, you're always aware and mindful of where you are today and where you are wanting to be tomorrow. It seems like I hear, have heard a lot of a lot of people say, you know, I, right after college, I took a job and it was paying, you know, good money and it paid for my rent. And and then ten years later, I woke up and I went, oh, oh my gosh, I, I hate this job. This is not what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you know that person maybe had been mindful all the way along of really what they wanted to to do or were working towards understanding that that may not have happened in 10 years it might have happened in 2 years or something and they could have done a a course to a, a mid-course correction there but i think when you're mindful you are always thinking about that goal so if your goal is to buy a house someday you aren't loading up your credit card right now on frivolous things or falling into old patterns or you want to lose weight, but you're stress eating. I mean, when you're mindful, you're, ju- you're just aware of where you want to be and then what you're doing right now to get there. This is another practice, isn't it, Marcia? It might be a practice for life. <laughs> yeah. And I mentioned the stress eating from personal experience on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, wow. 
tell me about it too. Yeah, I remember yeah. when I went through that that one, <laughs> uh, that obstacle. And speaking of obstacles and fears and all that, I love what you say about creativity too. You say, fear not. Everyone can be creative and creativity can take many shapes and forms. And then you mention in a book, you give some simple rules that we can follow to help us to release our creativity. And one of which is, we just spoke of letting go of the past, that you mentioned that one. And you talk about creativity has no right or wrong. So talk to me for a moment about what creativity really is and how we can give ourselves the permission to just be creative. Yeah, I, I think there, there's some questions in the book that help people, I think, get to that. But w- one of the early questions is to to think about how you react in general to life. Um, I kind of def- define people of being waiters or creators. And a waiter is someone who lets life happen to them. You know, external factors kind of control the direction they go. They, you know, they want to keep things kind of status quo. They might use avoidance goals, which means like to prevent something from happening rather than trying to find a goal that propels them forward. But a creator kind of is someone who takes charge. You know, they're thoughtful. They try to um, put together the life that they want, create the life they want. And I'm assuming your listeners by listening to this podcast are, are, are really in the creator category or trying to move you know, in that direction of being more deliberate of where they want to go. So I, yeah, you can, you can create your, your life in, in many ways. And I think the important thing is to not be real judgmental with yourself, but to try to be gentle with yourself, but to keep moving forward. That's part of creativity. It's not feeling stuck. Uh, And I do have a number of quite a bit actually in the book on, on road roadblocks oh, and how wow. to get how to get unstuck and yeah. and handling setbacks that's that's huge for people so many people just stop after you know something happening to them i don't know if you want me to get into that i don't know but you know it certainly is um, something to prepare for you know, even like jp rowling uh, she was rejected 12 times for her harry potter book uh, and yet i talked to a woman who had written a book and she sent it to uh, an editor to review came back with red marks all over it and she just she just didn't, couldn't look at it again she was devastated that you know had so many red marks so we have to think about rejection that it's part of the part of the game and as i think it was michael jordan even said you know i failed over and over again and that's why i succeed you know it's it's such a great learning experience and if we get switch our mindset to handle setbacks differently, you know, take a break, be gentle with yourself, conduct an analysis, figure out kind of what went wrong, what, you know, needs to be changed. Uh, maybe it was the way the, your approach, who knows what it might have been. Uh, review your original goal. Maybe that needs to be tweaked. Be a little creative, get your goal objects out, but then jump right back in there, you know, you know, get back on that horse, but be smarter and wiser and maybe making that, that correction. And you give so many, in your book, you're very clear and you give us all these strategies of the advice, great ones I have well, on so many topics, which is kind of interesting to know that we are afraid of success. I know being afraid of failure, it's kind of natural, but we are afraid of success. And that's one that, yeah, I have a hard time understanding even. We don't have a lot of time, but... 
I still have too many questions here for you, uh, <laughs> but uh, let me try to get two of them. Fear of success and perfectionism. Talk to me for a moment about these two specific, Marsha. Oh, yes. The perfectionism, the dreaded P word. We, yeah. we don't even like to use it in the household here. Right. Um, you know, right. I think we all have it and it can be such um, a thing that makes us freeze. You know, we, we think if we can't do it perfectly, we shouldn't put ourselves out there. We feel vulnerable. And there is no such thing as perfectionism as everyone's been told, but we still try. I think women in particular are afraid to even try it once. We think somehow we need to just do it once and it'll be perfect, but it doesn't happen that way. Fear of success is kind of an interesting one, but it kind of ties in with some of the other ones I list there, and that's self-sabotage. Some people are afraid to be successful and that they won't be a part of their their tribe or their group of friends or whatever it might be because somehow they'll be different now. You know, their, their friends are all at some level and they'll feel like that they're at a different kind of level. Some are afraid that they'll be discovered as being a fraud and if they become successful. Some people do this self-sabotage. Maybe they want to start a business and they get all the forms from the city or the state to fill out, but they just sit there on their desk and they never fill them out. You know, what is that about? Are they really, they need to kind of ask the why questions and get kind of deeper to find out what, what is that about? Are we our own worst enemy there? We're almost at the end. I do have a few more questions for you. Would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Boy, add anything. Well, I, you know, I'm just really excited about the goal objects part of the book. And like I said, that's what kind of makes it a little bit different. You know, I, I took the concept of, you know, vision boards, which have been around for a long time, uh, altars, which a lot of people have used for birth, death, joy, celebrations, transitions, and the idea from, you know, of action planning from business rolled them into, into one, into the, the goal object idea. But I've just gotten such great feedback from people who have said it just, it, they just smile every time they see this little, <laughs> globe they have on their key ring that reminds them they're going to travel the world. Or this one woman who had a little stuffed bird by her computer, not a real bird, just a little toy <laughs> bird. <laughs> and, you know, she wanted to take flight. She wanted to start her own business. And so she would go out at noon hour and thinking every time she see that bird, I'm going to go find an office space. I'm going to go do this. And so that little bird was what motivated her. So it doesn't have to be big. It's just a simple concept. But the feedback I've gotten has just been really rewarding and and it's a fun fun activity to do as you work towards going towards your your goals if you knew you would die soon meaning losing the body would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way yeah i wouldn't be as much of a workaholic (laughs) (laughs) tell me about it (laughs) thinking i'm gonna get better at that but yeah i just uh (laughs) finishing another book and then i'm gonna take a break for a while so yeah i really do want to um just just take some downtime and um just spend spend time with family hopefully soon haven't seen them for about a year but hope that would be wonderful to do that yeah. And my last question to you is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? What I know for sure. Wow. Live under your means. Don't be as materialistic. That's probably a big one. I tell my daughters that. Yeah. <laughs> um, three things I know for sure. Life is wonderful. It's 
you know, it, and there are good people out there. You know, as a criminologist, I had to tell myself that a lot. <laughs> right. that most people are good people because you see the underbelly of life, you know, a lot of, a lot of negative things. So most people are good people. So I think that's, that's another one. Yeah. So I guess that's three. Life is good and people are good. I love your wisdom. Thank you so much, Marcia. <laughs> I love how <laughs> spontaneous you are and authentic you are too. <laughs> That's Thank beautiful. You. Thank Thanks you. Yeah, we'll be definitely in touch again. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Oh, sure. Well, um, my book, Go How to Get Going and Achieve Your Goals and Dreams at Any Age, is available on Amazon, through bookstores, and the library. Um, it's an ebook and paperback. Um, and I also have a YouTube channel, Marsha Morgan, and Marsha's M-A-R-C-I-A, weird spelling. Um, and I have, uh, I think, about 10 videos up there right now um, on going for your goals and uh, procrastination and all sorts of things. So you might, um, people might enjoy seeing those those uh, YouTube programs. Uh, and I also have an author website. It's marciakmorgan.com. And you can download a free copy of a self-assessment handout, which is uh, called How Close Am I to Reaching My Goals? And that might be um, helpful for folks as they're kind of assessing where they are right now in the process for uh, going for their goals. So that would be a useful thing too. I'll have those links on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again, and we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you so much for having me. Bye for now, Masha. Mm -hmm. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Marsha K. Morgan and her work, please visit MarshaKMorgan.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.